All right, so we're studying 1 Peter. Uh, so I'm going to read uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, which is what we're studying primarily today. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, excuse me, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, we're going to jump into some interesting conversation for some of you, I hope. What's the primary responsibility of elders in the church? Say what? Shepherd the flock, absolutely. Shepherd the flock of God. Um, you know, as we start to discuss this, we're going to discuss what the responsibilities are, uh, what's involved in that. Why would that be important for you guys to know? Well, let me answer that. Who elects shepherds? Who votes for them? So how do you elect somebody if you don't know what you're electing them for? How do you vote if they're qualified if you don't know what their qualification responsibilities are? So, so there's a reason, a good reason we're going through some of this, and uh, there's more responsibility than just elders' responsibilities. So all of, all of us in the church have some responsibilities that we're going to discuss under this realm of eldership and leadership in the church. So, so what's involved in doing this responsibility? What's involved in shepherding the flock? Notice I didn't say shepherding because that's the answer to the first question. So all the rest of my questions don't have the word shepherding in them, even though responsibility is shepherding. So what's involved in doing shepherding? Well, the Bible I have at home, the commentator says, uh, the shepherding imagery suggests care, protection, discipline, and guidance. So, you know, we, we see that in our minds a shepherd with sheep, caring for the sheep and providing for them in great ways, making sure that they're well-fed and watered and protected. And uh, the ones that want to wander off, they deal with them, too, and bring them back. So, so let me read Ezekiel 2, 34, 1 through 26, and we'll get a better idea of what we're going to talk about. Lamentations, Ezekiel. Where are you hiding? There it is. Well, I am totally not in the right place. 
thinking it's Ezekiel 17. I'm going to have a hard time leading you if I don't find this large amount of scripture I'm supposed to read. And I had it marked and uh, showed somebody something on my phone, some scripture, and moved it. Um, it's shepherding, defined in great detail, um, defined primarily uh, in the wrong ways to do shepherding. Um, it's primarily describing shepherds, the Lord himself is describing bad shepherds and the bad things that they do. So one of the ways that we can know what the responsibilities of shepherds are uh, is kind of the reverse way, knowing what they should not be doing. Yeah, thank you. It is Ezekiel 34. And why I couldn't just do that is beyond me, but I keyed my notes down wrong somehow. So Ezekiel 34, 1 through 16. Now the word of the Lord came to me, and this is uh, Ezekiel the prophet speaking. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophes prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, all shepherds of Israel who have been finding yourselves, or who have been, all shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak have not been strengthened, the sick have not been healed, the injured have not been bound up, the, the strayed you have not bought back, the lost you have not sought, with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for the wild beasts. Many sheep were scattered, or excuse me, my sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on the very high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As the shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, that they have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them 
out from the people and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed, and I will feed on them the mountains of Israel by the ravines and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture on the mountains of heights of Israel shall be their grazing lands. <clears throat> there they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountain of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, and I will fat and and the fat and strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Wow. So back up again. What was wrong in the way the elders were doing the shepherding responsibility that we just read about? Yeah, you're supposed to care for the sheep, and they, instead of that, you're actually consuming them, you know I mean? Um, So he just said all the things that I said. So some, someone else tell me some of the things that, that that would include. He's given some of it, but not all of it. Because he said all of the things. What other things would be wrong for shepherds or elders to do? Right. 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 Absolutely. That's that's what I'm driving for. And are we talking just physical, or are we talking spiritual and physical both? Both. It's a huge responsibility on shepherds. Um. Right. Uh, they're condescending to them. They're treating them, uh, and, and um, as Ron said, they're misguiding them too. Instead of leading them to safety and eternal life, they're doing the reverse, leading them to uh, death and damnation, actually, uh, with, with false teachings and not really loving and caring for them at all in the way Christ would, the complete reverse of, of Christ.
spiritually by the lack of those things, um, you know, that, you know, they're already living a hard life. Um, it was not easy for the Jews back in those days. Um, and so, you know, you're, you know, you're driving them down in, in that spirit of, you know, their spirit is being driven down and you drive them away from the church. You drive them away from the synagogue. You drive them away from what, the very thing that they're supposed to be worshiping, which is God. And uh, when we do these things, uh, and sometimes it's inadvertent, you know, the fact that I think they were definitely, you know, purposeful in what they were doing. So, um, you know, it was, it, it just, it does, it just affects everything. Um, within that, I don't know what they call themselves congregations, but anyway, well, yeah. We could, since we're using shepherding flock themselves, actually, yeah. Right. Uh, so, let me say, shepherds, leaders in this church, have tremendous responsibility, and they're going to be held accountable to by God himself. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I was slow to accept being an elder. People ask me multiple times, and I said, no, I'm not mature enough, or I'm not grown enough. By the way, I still very humbly don't feel like I'm the best shepherd ever that this church has ever seen, and I've been doing it over 25 years now. And I was a deacon before I was a shepherd, and I was slow to become the deacon because I was a brand-new Christian. And Scripture's crystal clear, uh, new converts should not become leaders for a while. It's a pride issue you can be uh, sinfully proud of. Look at me, I'm the leader, look what I'm doing. And none of that is, none of effective leadership in the church is what the leaders are doing apart from God himself. God is giving you the gifts, the talents, and the skills to lead effectively. So he's the one that should get all the glory for anything that we do well. So... So all the, all the blame and responsibility for anything that goes wrong in the church belongs to the leaders in the church? I don't think so. So, you can see down here, what, what's the wrong way for elders to do this responsibility? They're feeding themselves, not the sheep, not strengthening the weak, not healing the sick, not treating the injured, not going for the sheep that stray, ruling with force and harshness, all that we've described. Is there any responsibility that church members have well, let's continue to read Ezekiel. So Ezekiel, um, we're going to read 17 through 31. And for some reason, I still want to say it's Ezekiel 2, and it's not. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judged between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture? And to drink of clear water, you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between fat sheep and lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust all the week with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. 
He shall feed them and be their shepherds. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and all the places around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the sowers in their seasons, and they shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the fields shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hands of those who enslave them. They shall no more be prey to the nations, nor shall they be beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned uh, plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord. So let me ask that again. What responsibilities do the rest of the congregation also have? The elders still have these responsibilities too, but it's not just the elders that are responsible for the church. The sheep themselves are. So how can members of the church mistreat other members? Let's try that. So I can mistreat my fellow members by not having any type of emotional investment in my church family. You know, I go to church, hear the word, take communion, dip out, and that's my total involvement. And then from there, it's easy for me to complain about what the church isn't providing. Oh, the church doesn't do this for me, the church doesn't do this. But also, too, there's a relationship within that community. What am I doing for the church? If we're not actively, like, contributing and making the church better and filling and meeting the needs that we feel like the church should be providing, then we don't really have a leg to stand on to complain. And it's not fair to our other members who are contributing because all that work just gets pushed on to us. Wow. So a whole lot said there. Um, not picking on anybody, so if you think I'm picking on any of you personally, I'm not. Um, he's describing some of the people in our church that come in after the service has even started sometimes and leave before the service even finishes because they don't want involvement. It's the weirdest thing to me. Uh, one of the major draws for me in the church is the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, you know, sharing concerns with each other, lovingly caring for one another, being in prayer for each other, and providing in so many ways. This church does phenomenal things to help the needy and has as long as it's been here. Um, you know, we have a lot of people that come acting like they're needy that aren't really. They're just trying to get a free load. Uh, so I, I don't um, envy a lot of the deacons' responsibilities of handling that. They have to make uh, informed decisions that this is a real need or not before we waste money on somebody who's just taking advantage, trying to take advantage of the church. Uh, what other things can we, we do? 
mean, I have, a, a, in my mind, a nice list of things that I've seen in the 40-some years I've been going to this church. So. I mean, I'm an old geezer. I'm in my 70s now. So. I'm thoroughly enjoying the answers, by the way. They're dead on. Um, can you guys give me some specific things that we do inappropriately? Not, you know, that's, that's specific, but it covers a, a broad category, and I'd like to pull some more meat out of that. But things happen. We don't gossip in this church, do we? We don't, we don't talk about other people behind their back. We don't, we don't rate the pastor every time he preaches, sometimes prematurely before we rate ourselves and how the pastor's sermon should have affected us instead of how he should have done something much better. And, you know, I, I, um, I've been to members of this church in the past where I've been invited to dinner or something, and then they have what I would call roasting the pastor. And I, that's totally inappropriate. It's different if you're a leader in the church and you're responsible for assuring that uh, the church's um, uh, sermons, the church's, what's done uh, in the services is appropriate. If there's something inappropriate, we're supposed to deal with that. That's, that's part of the tasks that we have. But the average person's not supposed to sit here with critical markings out going, let's see how many things I can find wrong. He should be focusing on, let's see how many things I need to know and learn and change and improve and, and what can help me overcome the sins that I still have in my life. And if there's anyone in here who thinks that you're not a sinner, boy, are you mistaken. Um, I fight daily uh, with sins. Um, I make, by grace, huge leaps and bounds, and then every once in a while I go, I cannot believe I fell into this particular sin that I haven't done in 20 or 30 years, you know. Uh, for me, um, inappropriate anger is one. And some of the horrific driving I'm seeing now, which I think is the worst in my lifetime, triggers that. I don't know where the lack of respect for life has come, but it's here now. And it's probably because there's much less Christianity in our society. So we don't value life. And it's obvious, I don't ever remember when I was growing up, someone going and shooting several people and then shooting themselves. I mean, their, their value of their own life isn't even there, which is something I don't remember growing up with very rare exception. And usually 
that was they're absolutely positive that they were going to get caught by the law and, and prosecuted to extremes and probably get the death penalty, so they just ended it themselves. But nowadays, they just do it for minor reasons. And, and um, Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm so blessed, and, and therefore I have this, and I do this. Well, no, that's just pride. And you know what? What it says in First Peter, um, God gives grace to the humble, but opposes the proud. That's a fear. It's a huge fear of mine that God would oppose me. And so, you know, uh, how how do we get to the point where we're humble? Well, that, pray that dangerous prayer that nobody wants to pray. God make me. Wound me where I need to be wounded. Cut where I need to be cut. Knock off the hard edges that need to be knocked off. And give me that gift of tears so that I will be humble. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised when I go to the pastors, and I'm saying this for all the pastors I've had in this church, and it's six. Um, I'm surprised when I go to them and say, your sermon pierced my heart and detected a very major need that I have in improving my walk with Christ, and they're surprised. I had no idea that you would struggle with that issue. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, uh, no. Um, that kind of brings up something else. When the sermon's being preached, and this will help you as we're going into this, um, you know, the men's study we have, we're studying uh, basically the preaching of, of uh, appropriate sermons way to do that effectively. When a pastor is preaching, if he's doing his job, he's preaching the Word of God. And we find that boring and fall asleep. Now, when I say we, I'm including myself. I have had the days where I can blame everything under the sun. I didn't get enough sleep or whatever it is, and I'm dozing off in the middle of the service. Um, but after the study we went through, I'm much more alert and much more awake during the service going, if the Lord himself, if Jesus came and was speaking, would I be falling asleep, not listening to him? So I'm, I'm telling you, you know, would you be falling, you know, start thinking like that. I'm here to hear the Lord's word preached. The best way to spread the gospel is right there from sermons from the pulpit. You want to share the gospel with somebody? That's the number one way to share the gospel, invite them to the church. You can take uh, EE training and tons of other training to share the, learn how to share the gospel effectively. But I'm telling you, the number one way is still preaching. The men that Christ trained and taught, what did he tell them? I'm going to leave you soon, and what does he tell them to do? Preach. So, all right, so I, I don't want to go through all the terrible things that we do to each other. Uh, it's stunning sometimes. Um, and I would tell you that elders, um, part of their job is to discipline you. Um, and that is no fun. Um, I'll talk about that some more, but um, 
But let me look at uh, 3B. How can members of the church mistreat the church elders? I might surprise you in answering that, by the way. Right, no respect for the authority is definitely an issue, right? Uh, how is an elder going to shepherd you if you don't communicate with them? If you don't open your guard and share your life with them, how are they going to know your illnesses, your needs, both physical and spiritual? Um, I, eons ago now, uh, signed up for Facebook because one of the people I was shepherding would never communicate with me and someone came and said, you know, you're shepherding so-and-so, they're in the hospital, have you visited them? No, didn't know they were in the hospital. Well, they posted it on Facebook and I went, I got to get Facebook just to keep up with this particular individual. Now, I'll tell you, I've enjoyed the pluses of Facebook and there are tremendous minuses of Facebook too. Um, you'll, if you see me on Facebook, it's rare that I post much of anything, and usually I'm posting something about someone else. Um, I don't like um, Facebook-style things where people think, since I'm not talking to you face-to-face, -face, I can be very disrespectful and get away with it. So some of the conversations that you see online are horrifically bad. Okay? So, but, but how can an elder shepherd you effectively if you don't share your life with them? If you... How can they address your needs? They have no clue what they are. It's, uh, hmm. And know if a shepherd, you know, if a, if a leader in the church, an elder or a deacon, either one, comes to speak to you about a sin in your life, they're doing it out of love for you, not you hateful sinner. You need to straighten up. And No, that's, that's not the intent at all. What, what occurs in a church, in our denomination, when discipline is done? You know, a leader will come talk to you and admonish you and ask you to, to repent, and uh, if you don't, what happens then? Well, eventually you may be taken before the session and met with a session, and if that still doesn't happen, what happens then? Well, um... You could be uh, disciplined in this way. You're no longer allowed to take the Lord's Supper until you repent of this sin. You still don't repent. What's the next step? All you elders know for sure, but... Yes. So what did you say loud enough everybody can hear it? You're saying about repenting when you're excommunicated. Excommunicated. Yeah, what's, what's the intent of discipline every time? Yeah, to, to turn someone from their sin, to help them repent and return back to being a godly person. That's the whole intent of discipline. It's not to belittle someone or make them look foolish or bad. Okay. Um, worst case, you can have a trial, literally, uh, in, the, in the session where you have a, a prosecutor and a defender, and it's literally a trial. And then decisions are made based on that trial. If you as a 
member of the church are not happy with the results or the ongoings of that, there are options. You're not happy with the session of this church, then you can take it to the presbytery level and the presbytery will review that issue and have their own trial. And if you're not happy with that, you think you've still been you know, given a disservice, then once a year we have General Assembly and you can petition General Assembly to deal with it. So there's a lot of steps in discipline to guard and protect um, potential innocent people being wrongly disciplined. But the, the whole intent of discipline is to help people, you know, turn from sin and repent. And I'm telling you, as an elder, that is not fun to go talk to somebody about their sin. For several reasons. I, I'm going to tell you not to sin, and I'm a sinner. It's my job, and yeah, I am. Because I'm going to tell myself the same thing. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we're making lots of good time. Um, what helps members with their responsibilities? Let me re read back to 1 Peter 5, 1. And, and, uh, wow, I'm doing real good with my phone today, too. It's because I'm up front, right? So 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Exactly what you were just saying, Ron. How do we successfully um, lead? How do we successfully follow? How do we successfully live? as members of Christ's church. By the way, this is Christ's church. He is the ultimate shepherd, and all of the elders in the church are sub-shepherds of him. And he's definitely going to hold us accountable. We're going to answer for the way we shepherded. It's one of the reasons I was not so thrilled to accept shepherding responsibility, by the way. sense of personal responsibility to the rest of the church. So uh, when we have new members and they take vows, it's helpful not just to look at it and be happy for them, but to examine yourself and how well you are keeping the vows that you took to the church. Um, and that's, yeah. that leads right into uh, being humble, clothing yourself with humility, because none of us fulfill our vows perfectly. When we examine ourselves against the vows that we have taken, we can repent for what we need to repent of, and through the power of the Spirit, um, try and perform better for God's kingdom. It goes with baptism, too. We're sitting here watching baptisms. You should be going, wait a minute, when I was baptized, I took these same vows. I, took, I answered the same way. You should be 
kind of like revowing, renewing in your mind, this, this is what I have committed to. I, um, you know, I was blessed, and coming up very soon, by the way, um, four years since I lost my wife, to, uh, she went to be with the Lord. Um, and I was so blessed uh, to have someone that when we took our vows, we took them serious, serious. And I was not a Christian. I believed in God, but I was not saved. And uh, my wife was a major part of leading, helping lead me to Christ. Um, I think I shared this in here once before, so it's, it's a repeat. Hang, bear with it because it's not for everybody. Um, the pastor we had was, was pretty young. Uh, he had been associate pastor in Charlotte for two years and came here. And he called me one day and said, we're having a class I want you to attend. I said, what's the class for? He said, people interested in becoming members of the church. I said, I'm not interested in being a member of the church. He said, no, 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 I want you to come find out what this church believes and stands for, what its doctrine is, and why you should be interested in the church. So I said, okay, I'll go. We met, there were, I don't know, nine of us, probably 10 maybe. And I started asking core based questions that bothered him and some of them he said he'd never even considered when he was in seminary. And I was raised as a Christian scientist, misled into believing a false denomination. So he starts quoting lots of men, and I said, stop. Start quoting Scripture. And if you're going to quote somebody, they better be referring directly to Scripture and tell us where they are. Because I've already been misled, and I'm not going to be misled again. And he went, whoa, stop. You and I need to meet one-on-one, -on -one, and you don't need to meet with this whole crowd. They're not ready for that kind of discussion. So we met for six weeks, probably two hours each time. And at the end of the six weeks, he hands me a track, and I'm going, yay, this is just like Jehovah's Witnesses. Where's the nearest trash can? I'm ready to, to uh, be done with this, you know. And I went home, poured a cup of coffee, sipped on a little bit, opened that track up, and went right to the floor on my knees and asked the Lord into my life. Hmm. Wow. And much to my surprise, emotions just arrived. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the pastor goes, you've been baptized. I don't know. If I was, I was so young, I don't remember. So he, so he baptized me, and I professed faith in front of the whole denomination, the whole church. And while I'm professing, women in the church start weeping, just tears rolling down their face. And I'm going, what in the world did I say that did, triggered this? Oh, my wife had them all praying for me the whole time, and those were tears of joy. So, yeah, I was, I was very richly blessed, and there's tons of reasons this church can bless you. Part of the responsibility is in the leadership. An awful lot of the responsibility is on the shoulders of everyone here. Yes, sir.
Christ and him crucified. That's how we should be living our lives, the way Christ lived his life. And he gives us a great example, and there's plenty of discussion about it. And so that's what we should be emulating. That's what we're striving for every day, dying to ourselves and giving to Christ. We should be becoming more Christ-like every day. We do those things. Um, we fail to do those, obviously, so that's why we have that work to help manage that. Um, but anyway, um, and then the other thing, I would just say, you know, we kind of talk about a lot of negative things. You know, being an elder and doing things for elders, you know, we should be, you know, uplifting the congregation. We should be flaming their desires to do things in the church, to um, witness to others, to, um, you know, helping others. We should be egging them on. We should, of all people, should be building them up in Christ uh, on a daily basis. We should be doing all these things, which are wonderful things. And, you know, yeah, it's about discipline and stuff like that. And, you know, we kind of dwell on those kinds of things. But there's so many great, wonderful, exciting things that we can do to build up the lady and build up the congregation and to, you know, grow in their faith. Um, those are just, you know, we need to talk about those things, too. Um, it's very important. Not just about discipline and you know trying to make people do whatever we want them to do. We need to be behind them. We need to be pumping them up, if you will, for lack of better terminology. Um, I think it's very important. Yeah, I would probably change the wording of what you just said. I know your intent uh, in one part, and that's uh, it's not the way we want. It's the way God Himself wants us. We're all trying desperately to lead each other to be more like Christ, to walk more like Him. Um, any discipline that doesn't do that is inappropriate discipline. And by the way, you know, like I said, discipline's not a fun thing to talk about, so do you think elders are uh, not doing their job if they don't discipline? Definitely not, because you'll end up with exactly what was described, sheep that muddy the water, sheep that, that knock down all the grass where the rest can't feed, and we're really talking spiritual, where you can't hear the Word of God preached and receive it well because everybody's complaining and grumbling and backbiting and, and the congregation's so consumed by that, they're not consumed by the Word of God like they should be. Yes, sir? I just wanted to tie together what you were saying about baptism and what this, the imagery of clothing yourself in humility. Um, this is the, I'm thinking about the imagery of baptism and, and how Jesus was baptized, submerged baptism of the, the Israelites going through the Red Sea and him just surrounded by water to cleanse them. And even, even in sprinkling, the symbolism of being covered uh, and being, uh, literally being clothed, being covered by the blood of Christ, being cleansed mm. and harkening back to the cutting off of what is unclean, the cutting of the covenant. And here, yeah, and, and that's all that's, that's all an image of, of purification, of, of self-abasement, where I'm, I'm putting myself lower. It's self-abasement. Here, um, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Uh, what did people do when they, when they were self-abasement? Think about Nineveh. What did they do when they repented? What did they clothe themselves with? Sackcloth. Right. Ashes. Even the cows. Even the sheep. Yeah. Sackcloth yeah. and ashes. That's the image that, that this brings out. And that's, you don't just accidentally get covered in sackcloth and ashes. It's an intentional thing, both on the part and in here, 
it's, it's a human thing but for both the leaders and those who are led that we all must close Yeah, it's all heart. Let me, you know, I don't want to be the pastor, but I'm going to speak a little bit. It's all heart. We were all initially born with a heart that did not like God, was an enemy, I can't say that word for some reason, enmity or enemy of God. And we got a heart transplant. And all of us who have had the heart transplant should know that. You should be desiring to be with God, to be God-centered. And more and more in your walk, it's definitely that way for me, more and more in your walk, I become less important and God becomes way more important constantly in my daily walk. The things that we think are so valuable, you know, you guys that fish, the fishing boat, and the golfers that have to have the best golf clubs or the guy that has to have the newest cell phone because that technology is critical to my existence. I was stunned when I was teaching, by the way, if I could take a cell phone away, it's like I chopped somebody's arm off sometimes. I mean, it's a cell phone. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world and you're going to get it back in, a, in so many hours or whatever. You know, it's not the end of the world, but some of my students thought it was. Uh, but no, we, we should be progressing like crazy not just showing toward ourselves and looking at ourselves and how should I improve, but how can I help others in the church? How can we share humbly? Um, so I'm telling you, let me say this very openly then. Uh, your leaders in this church, both the academic and the session, have serious discussions, and we're all men with different viewpoints. So you can rest assured that we don't walk in in total agreement instantly. We have some serious discussions. Please know that as long as I've been an elder in this church, the sessions in this church have been exceptional at dealing with controversial issues, even amongst themselves, and re resolving all of them and coming forward, constantly aiming at doing godly responses, constantly aiming at honoring the Lord in the things that the church does and the leadership provides. And if you think you can be critical to an elder, another elder can be very critical to an elder. I mean, they're sitting there going, I'm struggling with this, so are you, and stop lying. You know I mean? So we, you know, we're not innocent, but the love in this church is phenomenal. And for some reason, sometimes we act like we're not super blessed. We really are. So if you think that the leadership in this church has rifts or problems with themselves, they don't. The rifts and problems are actually over how can we do better. And some of us think we can do better one way, and some of us think we can do better slightly a different way. So I just want to clarify that in case any of you had the feeling that the leadership is anywhere divided in this church. It's not. If it's divided at all, it's in... The, the methods that they think are most effective, not none of these, you know, not that somebody's trying to give a method that's not effective at all. They're all effective. It's the fight for which one's the best that we should be doing. A good time to ask, do you have any questions or extra comments about all that we've discussed? Because it's a lot of information. It's amazing from 
five little verses out of that scripture, we have this big discussion. Well, comments James 3 1 makes clear that no visitor is entitled to strictest judgment. So, as a congregation, we need to be praying for Pastor Mark and all the elders. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> because you're going to be accountable to God for your actions, and God forbid he judges you harshly because of you failing to be a good elder. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, let's go to Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-six real quick. Hopefully, real quick. So, for some reason, I got thirty-seven right. Huh. Twenty-six and twenty-seven. <clears throat> I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will set them in their land and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is Christ telling you he's the ultimate shepherd. So know that if the shepherds in this church don't do a perfect job, it's not the end of of salvation. Christ's got it covered, I'm positive. And yeah, we're still going to be held accountable, right? So I appreciate I appreciate the comments and everything that everyone's had to say. Um, I'm going to surprise you and let us go early, but I'm going to close this in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we... Uh, Father, we love you because you first loved us. Father, we desire to be uh, holy because you said, I'm holy, and that we should be holy also. And we openly confess, Father, that we fall short in sin and pray forgiveness and guidance and direction and help. Pray effectiveness in this church. Uh, Pray especially, Lord, that your uh, word will be proclaimed in truth boldly. Pray that you give us hearts to hear and see and be changed in ways that honor and glorify you through obedience. We thank you, Father, for the tremendous love and blessing that this church is for us and the great fellowship that we get to share with one another. Help us to start caring more about each other and less for our own selfish needs. Um, We pray this in, oh, and we pray for this sermon this morning, Lord, that it is very effective and that we... uh, Pay strong attention and are are improved and changed by it. In Christ's name, amen. And you are free to go before the bell rings.